Hello guys. Hi. Welcome back to our podcast Through the Pages. I quickly forgot what, what the podcast was called. <laughs> it's been a while, but we're back with a new yes. episode. Um, here to chat about books and classics specifically. And I'm sure as you've seen from the title of this episode, we're going to talk about a book today that I'm sure most of you will know or have definitely heard of. I think so, yeah. Probably. Yeah, definitely. If not even have read either voluntarily or had to read the school. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's one of the two. Yes. Or maybe had to read it for school and then reread it later on when you realise that it's actually one hell of a good book. Because it is. It really really is. is. Yes. We're talking about Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> by the way. Exactly. By... You might have also seen the film, sorry, and because obviously yeah, and all of the different adaptations that are always quite uh, spark quite a debate on which yeah. ones are better. I think we're going to get to that as well, yes. because <laughs> I want to hear your opinion about everything. Um, yeah, talking about Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, which was published in 1813. Yes. Um... What's your personal relationship to Pride and Prejudice? Let's start with that. I think, as pretentious as it sounds, and I know you can relate, it was like my opening into English literature, which um, is, is very like, is very bizarre, because thinking that I was like, I don't know, maybe 11, 12-ish, when I mm. started getting into more like serious English books. I was always very fascinated by the English language. And then I realized that, oh, most books are actually written in English. And then that opened a whole world. And Jane Austen was one of that, specifically Mm -hmm. Pride and Prejudice. So it was very much my introduction to English literature and, and what I then like made in my head, the picture of England and like mm. what the English countryside was like. And obviously very much not true anymore. <laughs> very much not so. Um, yeah. But it was my romanticization of England as like yeah. a tween. <laughs> I would just love to see you like propped up, like in a little chair reading Jane Austen, uh, Pride and Prejudice, like at 11 years old. Yeah, I don't <laughs> But it's so funny because we've talked about this mm-hmm. before because it was very, very similar for me in the sense of that Pride and Prejudice was like the gateway <laughs> to English literature, English books, I should say. Um, I remember in 2005, uh, no, 2005, sorry, when the film came out, mm. I watched the film. So I must have been, how old was I? I was 11. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and I watched a film and I thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen. Amazing. <laughs> and then I decided to read the book. And for some reason, I read it in English. And I don't actually remember because our English was not, not that good no. at the time. Because we also didn't... Did we already start learning English at school? No. I think that started. I think at 11 years you started. Yeah. I think I then read it at like a little bit later maybe. Because I remember watching the film quite a few times. Yeah. Um... And being a bit like, not put off, but like knowing, oh, I want to read it in English, but I think it's a bit too difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think I must have been like 13, 14, maybe when I then tackled. Like properly. Yeah, yeah. the book. Um, and then same, I thought it was like the best thing ever. Amazing. thought that people in England speak like that today. <laughs> yes. Like you bump into someone, you're like, oh, I beg your pardon, sir. 
That has never happened to me. And I think for a while I then also started speaking like that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think my initial English like vocab was very much tainted in a positive way by the mm. way these books were written. Also because I can vividly remember, I'm also very unsure about the age because it must have maybe also been a bit late, more like 13-ish. I know I wasn't in high school yet. It was still mm-hmm. very much middle school. Yeah, same. Um, and I remember very vividly that I had a dictionary and was reading it and I like underlined every word I didn't understand and actually looked it up because I just wanted to inhale the language. And obviously amazing. the speed at which I read was zero <laughs> because I had to like look up every mm. second word. And then if I could get through a passage that didn't require me to like open the the, bo- the the dictionary or where I already had like a few words that I had then memorized what they meant, it was like, and also opened up a vocab of like, 1813 that like yeah. a 12 13 year old girl in like the early 2000s didn't need i think it's very good that we found each other at that age yes. because i think we would not have found any friends because no. <laughs> i also that was like one of the first things again like victorian era set english stories was the thing we bonded over yeah definitely yeah Yeah, because I don't like, what do you think it is about Pride and Prejudice that like gave you this? Because we clearly had the same experience of like, I mean, we are similar like in character and in our interest in general. But like, it's funny that that specific book had such a like impact on us in the sense of like how we looked at like books and storytelling Mm -hmm. and English literature and and, like specifically. Um, What do you think it is about Pride and Prejudice that like has like influenced you that much and like it's a book that I still love to this day it's like Mm -hmm. same with the film um it's something that like it's a film that I can watch any day and I will feel better yeah very true and I I don't actually know I feel like because I would want to say like oh like the characters and stuff but I'm not sure that at that age I really like grasped the Mm. characters and their whole story and like background and stuff I feel like it was just the vibe, as dumb as it sounds. It was just like... Like the atmosphere. Yeah, the atmosphere yeah. and the way I then imagined. And maybe also then, I mean, now when I think of the book, and we talked about that before as well, I have no idea if I'm thinking of the book or the film yeah. or like the miniseries. To me, that is has all become kind of like one big visual Lump blob. Of, yeah. of, but it's just the vibe. Mm. And I don't know. And I think I was always very like in love with that vibe in general and really wanted to live in that time that I now understand I do not want to live Mm. in that time. But like in, again, a tween age to me, that was very like peak amazingness of what I would have wanted to experience. And then maybe also, I don't know if it was like the romantic side of it. And because, I mean, you're still like a 13, 14 year old girl Mm. and they're like, like romance (laughs) and that felt more like a grown-up romance Mm -hmm. so that maybe also had like some appeal to it that I think it was maybe the first kind of story that I read that wasn't like a children's book or that wasn't like a a romantic book but Mm -hmm. still had all of these like very life like elements Mm -hmm. yeah what about you I think it's the same if it was I think it helped in a way that I saw the film first because I don't like had I read the book without knowing what the like I don't know when is it said like 1812 mm-hmm. <clears throat> not knowing what that time 
might have looked like, I think I would have struggled imagining it. But I think just like coming from the film and having it like very visually in my mind, it very much helped with like, it's the costumes, mm-hmm. it's like the estates, it's the gardens. The estates. <laughs> the estates. It's, <laughs> it's all of that where I was like, I remember telling my dad when I watched the film slash then read the book, I was like, I would love to live in Jane Austen's time and I want to just, you know, live in that time and I want to have like a family of sisters and grow up in like a countryside like village and my dad like is very like sober in that sense and he was just like yeah would you also have like enjoyed like living in that time as like a poor maid and I was like stop ruining my dreams I I was like no my teenage daughter cannot grow up thinking that like this is what life is supposed to be like but I think it helps I'm just so I think it helped, like, I think I just thought, like, oh, this is what, like, life was, full point, like, full stop. Yes, yes. I was like, if you lived in England in 1812, you were like, because another thing that they always talk about is like, oh, we're a poor family, right? Yeah. We're so poor, like, yeah, like, there's no inheritance, etc. Mm-hmm. We don't have any boys in the family that can take over. But I remember always thinking, like, they're really rich. Like, the whole Bennett family is, like, stinking rich. Yeah, yes, <laughs> like, they live yes. very comfortably yes. in the end. Um, but I think my, like, my dad, like, ruined my dream of being, like, a Jane Austen character. <clears throat> but I think, like, he brought in a very, like, true element to it that I, like, definitely romanticized the whole yeah. thing. And I was like, this is what it was like. Yeah, full stop. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still kind of do that when I see mm-hmm. any, like, period drama or any film. I think I saw, um, over the Christmas break, I saw Emma, the new adaptation. Yeah. Um, and also, there again, like, the costume design, everything is, like, so nice and, like... And anything they, pastel yeah, coloured yeah. with, like, a nice, like, a nice dress. Yes. It's, it's also a bit like the Little Women aesthetic of the latest mm-hmm. adaptation as well, where just, yeah, like, everyone is like poor and they always have like I don't know like live in cold houses with candles but you just think it's like the best thing ever and you're like no that's how you like die of consumption it's like oh my god you're gonna find your like true love and live in a like like big country estate and it was like no you probably died at like 35 yes. during childbirth um and so all and um like a cold winter because you yes. didn't have any central heating yes and so, yeah, but anything to, like, <laughs> romanticise those times, not gonna lie. Yes. Shall we still, like, quickly give, like, a quick summary of, like, the story or, like, maybe, like, the yeah. pointers? Yeah. Like, the... Or, like, no. How would you describe the book in one sentence? Oh. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, true. That is very, very difficult. Yeah. Um. Oh, God. I don't know, maybe like the, like, awakening of, like, a bunch of sisters and a few, like, disillusionments, is that a word? Like, disillusions (laughs) and then a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, that is, like, pretty much, like, the whole, like, plot. (laughs) It's like the wave of the up and down. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh my God, so many men to marry. Oh my God, nobody to marry. Yeah. Oh, we're going to marry them anyway now. 
Yeah, because I, I always then thought, like, why is it called, like, Pride and Prejudice? Because if you think about it, it's not a very catchy title. No, and also, um, now that I think about it, I actually wouldn't know why. I mean, no, actually, no, the prejudice part makes sense, and the pride also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I scratch that, you know exactly why yes. it's called that. Yes. I think it's just, I, I always thought that, like, one, like, that, like, prejudice was... Elizabeth Bennet and yes. Pride was uh, Mr. Darcy. Yes. Like the two like components and like, and I mean, I, they both have a bit of each. Yeah. Um, but basically it's a story of like a man and the woman, like for whom it's very clear in the beginning, they're going to get together, but there's different hurdles thrown in their way um, and different mistakes that they make that mm-hmm. it takes a while until they can then finally enjoy their happy end in that sense it's a basic like rom-com template oh, yeah. yeah and I, th- I feel like so many stories are based exactly on that because there's so many like circumstances that are then thrown in their way that makes sure that like one thinks something else than the other or is like I don't know has it feels like oh they don't understand me mm-hmm. like he's a dick like <laughs> basically yeah. it's that yeah. Um, and the back and forth where you, fe- I feel like they both conceal their feelings very much. Yes. Um, until then they realise the mistakes that they've made and they, they, can, they get together. Um, and I think for that, and I mean in general, maybe Jane Austen was, uh, was kind of like the way that she obviously wrote her characters, that like, everyone is flawed and it's not just the very like one-sided, either the man yeah. does everything wrong or the woman does mm. everything wrong. It's... Just, they're all humans, and then obviously, like, still written from the point of view of the time that it was written in, but still with, mm. like, yeah, like, the whole pride and the prejudice part, that's actually true. Because I would have said that maybe both apply to Elizabeth, but pride would definitely be more to Darcy and then yeah. Elizabeth. I think even towards the end, she kind of, like, realises that herself, that she had the wrong views about him, and it's very, yeah. like, introspective, which yeah. is quite nice It's read. like an awakening of, like... Also, in the end, like, challenging yourself and what Mm -hmm. you think to be true and Mm -hmm. what you're being told and that, like, realising that maybe your reality or how you interpret things are not necessarily the Mm. way they are. Yes. Which I think is very nice because both characters, Darcy and uh, Lizzie, have that awakening. Yeah. Like, over the course of the story, which is very nice. Yeah, that's true. And... Now to the most important part. Do you prefer the film or the miniseries? I like how we're like, let's talk about the book, but actually let's just talk about the film. The more important thing. No, let's talk about all the adaptations that you know of that have stemmed from Pride and Prejudice. Because I think it's a book that was like born to be made into a film, even though Jane Austen didn't like know the format of film yet. But it's like a very... Like, it's just a book that adapts really well into yes. film. Like, I arguably, think... as you said, every rom-com could be based on that exact plot, to be honest. Um, so let me think. Uh, so obviously the BBC miniseries, mini <laughs> the 2004-5 film? 2005 five film? film with the one and only Kira Knightley. <laughs> That's like a whole other love story. Um, and then I feel like I had, but maybe I'm mistaking it with like some 
of the billions of like Shakespeare adaptations that there are, but I feel like there is a book that is the plot of Pride and Prejudice, but it's like completely different, you know, like it, it, it's not called Pride and Prejudice, it's not, the characters don't have the same name, but it's basically the exact same plot, but like set in a different context and time, which is very broad because I think that happened probably with like every, definitely like every Shakespeare play Yeah, and any classic. Yeah. I, I think so, yeah. But it's, I feel like one, I, and I think it's it's a film, and when I watched it, and then I realised that afterwards, that I was like, yeah. oh, that's where it came from, but I can't remember which one it is now. It might actually also be a rom-com. Probably. Yeah. What I like probably also called like Darcy or something, because yeah. like if you think about it, like, I mean, Bridget Jones, if you think about it, is a little bit the whole... I mean, there is a character, like, her, like... Yeah, true. Love interest true. is called Mr. Yeah. Darcy. So, like, I feel like also that whole thing of, like, prejudice and thinking that the person is different. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so even so though so Lizzie Bennet didn't, like, keep tab on, like, how much she ate and how, much, how many cigarettes she smoked. <laughs> but, like, there are elements. And I yeah. feel like there's so many elements in, like... In, in books that were then published mm-hmm. or, like, films that were made after that. There's also, I think, maybe, like, nine years old now, I remember there was, like, a series that was done on YouTube. Oh, yes! Yeah. The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Yes. And I think it was produced by John like, Green yes, Brothers. Yes, Hank yes, Green. Yes. Yeah. And it True. was made, like, in a modern, like... Lizzie Bennett being a vlogger that just like unlocked so many <laughs> memories that is freaking amazing if you have not seen that one yes. go like enter Lizzie Bennett diaries yes. into your YouTube also because then she the one who plays Lizzie was in the Big Bang Theory oh was she yes oh fun yes at some point she played um Raj's love interest but for quite some time mm. yeah I didn't know which, about which, that. And I saw the Big Bang Theory and I was like, that's Lizzie Bennet. <laughs> and I loved that I knew her from that. From that thing. Oh, that was such an amazing thing. That was like peak YouTube years. Yeah. Ugh. It was like a good nine years ago. There were like a hundred episodes, I think, at like five minutes I feel like that was longer ago. But maybe, I don't know. Because nine years ago would have been I think like it was 2000 like, and... I think it was like 2012, maybe yeah. a good ten years now. Let's check it afterwards. Yeah, true. But uh, but yeah, so I feel like clearly it has elements that just offer themselves so well because I feel like it's a very much a universal story mm-hmm. in the sense of like, obviously we love it for its setting and its time and the whole atmosphere. But I feel like there are elements that connect and translate so well mm-hmm. to any setting. And it's like these universal feelings of, I have a love interest, but also... I don't really know who he is and like all of these different misunderstandings in a yeah, way. In that yeah. sense, I feel like it's the classic yeah, love story. Much. Yeah, like that kind of, um, yeah, misunderstanding trope, like miscommunication and yeah. then you end up falling out and then you realise, oh no, that was a mistake. Yeah. Who's your favourite character in Pride and Prejudice? I find that quite difficult because I remember I was always like very invested in Lizzie and mm. her whole shenanigans that I can't like actively remember really liking liking another character because I 
don't think I really cared about <laughs> the other characters because I was yeah. like, this is like the main thing that's... Uh... So I would have to say her, but I feel like if I reread it now more recently, I'm sure somebody would pop up that I think, mm. oh, this is fun. Because I remember, yeah, like I have that with quite a few books and stories yeah. where I rewatch it or redo something and I'm like, oh, actually... Mm. Yeah, what about you? Same. I feel like Lizzie Bennet is that type of character because Jane Austen writes her in such a witty way mm-hmm. where, like, Lizzie Bennet is very, like, prejudiced, obviously, yeah. but she is also very much herself. Yes. And isn't scared of being judged by others as well, even though she herself judges. <laughs> but, like, it, it works in that way that she doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. That she also goes against, like expectations for example i mean in the small scale that she can do so being a woman in the 19th century yeah um but i feel like she's very like intellectual and clever and witty and i feel like a lot of women in particularly reading the book want to be lizzie bennett i Mm -hmm. i definitely want to be yeah same like growing up to be her plot twist (laughs) didn't happen happen. (laughs) far away from that but like I think that's why you're always like oh I I can see myself in that character and I would love to be more like yeah and I think that's why a lot of people connect to her yeah that's very true Mm. but I think now like if I think about the whole cast of characters like the whole Bennett family like Mm -hmm. it very much lives off the whole context and the other characters and all of the side stories that happen that really yeah. give the story, like, if Lizzie and, and Darcy are like the bone of the story, the rest is like the flesh. That yes. is like yes, because making their story it in the end is almost the most boring one, or kind mm. of like predictable mm-hmm. because you already know where it's gonna end up. While yeah. everything that happens <laughs> around is actually quite wild. Like, there is so Mm. many, like, I don't know, people that hate each other and that, like, want to marry that person and then that person says no and then they, like, go off and, like, go marry somebody else and then Mm. they find out, no, they didn't want to because of X, Y, Z reasons. Like, it's a whole thing. And then you have, like, the most straightforward, like, the straightforward in, so to say. Um, I feel like their love story is, like, the red thread that leads through the story. Yes. That, you know, it's always going to come back to. But yeah, for example, I mean, you have characters like Caroline Bingley, who is Darcy's best friend's sister. Yes. There's like a whole cluster of characters, but they're all described very, very well. So mm-hmm. you feel like you, you you can immediately see, because I feel like Caroline Bingley is a, a woman that like we all know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know. Yeah. She's a bit of a pain in the ass. Yes. And she is a, a manipulator. Yeah. And, like, she's a super interesting character, though. She is. She is. And she's also very unique as a character. And, like, Mm. I I know that she was probably written to be, like, very, like, disliked. But is technically, like, from from an interest point of view, very, way more interesting, technically. Than than any other character. Actually, I think we're doing that exact mistake where we mix up the film and the the book because in the book it's two sisters actually that Bingley has oh he's got two sisters that sort of plot against oh yeah I couldn't I just remember yeah so I I must be remembering because I could just remember like Miss Bingley the yeah got who's got her eyes on yeah one of them has 
got her eyes on obviously Mr. Mr. Darcy, and then the yes. other one's already married. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, I do remember Caroline Bingley though specifically mm-hmm. being like the 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 one that pushes the Bennett family away and is like the trickster oh, and yeah, manipulator yeah. who makes sure that hurdles are put in everyone's way. Yes. Because um, yeah, I mean, I think she like saw the Bennett family as this like kind of lower, less worthy family, and because Elizabeth was so. Yeah, like, more, like, on the witty and maybe for her then, like, rude side, I think just the the whole thing is very... I, I remember, like, when um, the scene where I think, was it Lizzie that went to the estate because her sister was there while she was sick because she got mm-hmm. stuck, and then she, like, turns up completely, like, dirty because she hadn't been walking through mud, and then... Uh, Miss Bingley being all like super sensitive and shocked about that and like making yeah. a huge deal out of the fact that Lizzie has come and is like dirty and stuff so <laughs> I was like calm down like, Bing. calm down <laughs> yeah yeah and I think you mentioned a good thing that in the end um, obviously Pride and Prejudice is also very much a story about class mm-hmm. and yeah yeah, where you stand socially. Yes. It's basically all about that. It's like the whole society and where which rank you've got within mm-hmm. that society. And the Bennett family clearly being like comfortable in comparison to definitely other families. Yes. But if you compare them with Mr. Darcy and his friend Mr. Bingley, who definitely both are like rich, mm-hmm. handsome young bachelors, I think that is one of the first. Yes. Like. One of the first sentences, even. Yeah. Um, because the first sentence is very well known. Yeah, true. That it's is like, like one of the most the... known opening Yeah, lines. it's like, it is a youth... No. <laughs> it is <laughs> a truth. It is a truth. Also, no, it's, it's, a <laughs> it's a truth universally acknowledged that a rich man is in want of a wife. Something yes. along yes. those lines. Don't quote me on that. But it's... That's the... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so obviously it's Mrs. Bennet's goal to marry off her daughters mm-hmm. um, because, yeah, they need someone to provide for yeah. them because 1813 is a bitch and you can't do anything if you're a woman. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely about, like, how can we improve our standing? How can we make sure we are secure? Mm-hmm. And that is, like, also a, a thing that is, like... A theme that goes through the whole story, which definitely I didn't pick up. Oh no, I had absolutely no idea of that. No, like, very much in the beginning, like, no. or like the first time reading it, I was just like, oh, how fun, it's the circumstances that make them like come together. Yeah. And like, it's like, no, that was like Mr. Bennett meticulously planning <laughs> every move and like being yeah. pissed off if like his daughters didn't accept the marriage proposal of another guy. And then you're like, oh no, why is the dad so mean and like wants them to marry somebody they don't love? And there's like, yeah, well, that was the reality of it. Exactly. And I think that's something that only afterwards I then picked up on. Yes. Where I realized, oh, like in the bigger like historical context of like, yeah, this was actually like a super difficult mm-hmm. um, like time. And another character that I've always really, really enjoyed um, is, and I forget her name, but it's Lizzie Bennett's best friend. Mm. Yeah, I have no idea what she's called. I want to quickly check so I can... Because she's a super good character, but I forget now what she's... um... No. Carla... 
Uh, Charlotte. <laughs> Carlet. <laughs> Let's cut all this out. She's called Charlotte. Um, and like I remember, there's a scene where like Lizzie and Charlotte are both these like very like young, clever mm-hmm. like women, and clearly still like their whole um, focus in life having to be who they're going to marry, what is going to happen, because if you are a spinster and you don't marry anyone, it's going to be a problem and yes. you're not going to be, um, you're not going to have a safe life or a secure life. Um, and I think it is said in the story at the time that Charlotte is 27 years old. <laughs> Which is just fresh. <laughs> and her saying like, oh, I still live with my, with my parents and I really need to find someone to marry because otherwise... Um, yeah, I'm going to be a burden for mm-hmm. my family. At 27, she is now exactly our age. Yeah. Um, and the idea that a character, like, even though it is a fictional character, but obviously I think we can say that uh, that was the case for a lot of women of yes. that time. And that it was a reality. And um, I've always found her story, like, speaking about, like, the stories on the sideline, mm-hmm. while Lizzie's and Darcy's stories, like, The Red Thread... That is the story that I found the most interesting, that um, she has to accept Mr. Collins, who is a cousin of the Bennett family and, like, awfulness in, like, encapsulated (laughs) in a person. Um, And very boring and very strange. And he proposes to Lizzie and she declines him. Mm -hmm. Um, Having the privilege, probably also as well, knowing that she might find someone else. And Charlotte doesn't. So she accepts Mr. Colin knowing she is the second choice. And it's more of a um, economic yes, arrangement, yes. I'm going to say. Um, and that is always a story that I found very interesting and that very much stuck with me just because I thought it was so sad. Mm-hmm. Like we did the whole like love story and like Lizzie's sister Jane also marries Mr. Bingley and they have that wonderful love story mm-hmm. of like finally then in the end finding together and finding each other. So like everything works out for the Bennett sisters in that sense. But there's also these side stories of like love going very much wrong. Mm-hmm. For example, with um, Lizzie's other sister, Lydia. Oh yeah, yeah. Who runs off yes. um, with a man and is sort of, then has to marry him because it would be a scandal. That's what I always thought so was so wild about that story is how it wasn't, like how the, the first thing that, that they would think about when they realized like Lydia was nowhere to be found wasn't like, oh my God, is she safe? But like, oh my God, this looks terrible for our family. Yeah. And I always thought that was so awful mm-hmm. that like nobody really cared about her as a person or where she was or like that she was in a safe space because in the end you wouldn't even know like if she was physically safe yeah but the first thought was like oh my god no like protect the family name at all costs because otherwise we can't like in quotation mark get rid of our other daughters to like other men if they realize that one of them has has been like tarnished yes, yes. like yeah. the, the that holds that these things had on a whole family mm-hmm. is wild. Like the whole idea of a woman's reputation. Yes, yes. Um, that would have then also ruined the possibilities of her sisters who had nothing whatsoever to exactly. do with her in yeah. the story. But it's just like, oh, if that, like, that sister was like a loose woman, yes. I'm going to say. 
um, in like quotation yeah. marks, um, then it would be like a reflection yeah, of, of her of whole everybody. family, of everybody involved with her or sharing her bloodline. Um, and these two were like these two side stories that were like always stuck with me very much because they were like the sad mm-hmm. versions of the two positive versions that happened with the two eldest sisters. Um, because Lydia then marries, um, what's he called again? Wickham. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, who also first sort of flirted with Lizzie and she trusted him. Yes. And then it becomes clear that he's very much a bad guy. Yeah. Um, and knowing that Lydia is married to him at 16. Yeah. Then something. the whole like age thing becomes just, yeah, gross. It's a whole other story. Yes. Um, and just knowing that probably she's now stuck with him for life and him just having accepted her like hand in marriage because mm-hmm. Darcy yes. paid him off. Yes. So it was like in in a in a way to save Lydia, but also to make sure that Darcy couldn't get exactly. to Lydia. <laughs> exactly. It was a very like exactly. yeah. self-serving yes. like move. And also the way that that was handled is technically like super strange because I mean like they all reacted because Lizzie found out about like Darcy's payments mm-hmm. and stuff, and um, and like the way that that was perceived as a, like a positive act, mm-hmm. and like oh thank you so much Darcy that you paid him to like forcefully marry my sister yeah. is also a very bizarre concept because yeah. like if you heard this now in a like today's context here you'd say like what the hell's wrong with you <laughs> get that <laughs> dirty man's hands off my own daughter. Yes. And, yeah. and then it was more like, oh, thank you so much for like saving our family's reputation yeah, exactly. with your money, which is awful. Yeah, so I feel like that stuff that like seeing the story for the first time or reading the story for the first time, I was just like, oh, it's so romantic and like houses and clothes and dresses. Yes. And then over the years, that stuff has sunk in more and more, mm-hmm. realizing like the dark spots in Definitely. the story where you can tell, well, like, the historical context and these problematic sides definitely show, yeah, are be- definitely shown like through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And I think in that way, Jane Austen also made a bit of a social comment. Oh on, yeah, yeah, um, on her time mm-hmm. definitely. And I just love that she was able because she was never married and she yes. unfortunately died very young. I think she was little over forty or so. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that she. Like, grew up in a very, like, in a small space in the sense of, like, not seeing much of the world or yeah. never being married, you know, never having fam- family that she was able to write about love specifically. Yes. And also very, so, like, universal concepts of yeah. love that you can still relate to, like, mm-hmm. 200 years after, more than 200 years later, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That she like formed these characters that are then still being adapted like two hundred yeah. years later in a like web series on YouTube. I <laughs> yes, mean, that yes. is crazy. That's so cool. I have to go watch that after yeah. this <laughs> recording because oh yeah, that was such a that was such a good series. Yeah, if you want to know like the whole story, obviously like adapted to modern yeah. times, um, but then really go watch that because like you get the plot. Yes. Um, because, yeah, it is in the end also the plot and not just the atmosphere, if I think about it now. It, it's also mm-hmm. the plot that you you want to know how these characters are doing and what is happening to them. Yes. And I wish there was, like, a spin-off where, like, you could see what happens 
to mm. like all of these different characters. Because mm-hmm. I remember then when I was like 15 or so and I was in my super pretentious writing phase, I did <laughs> oh, I <love laughs> write that. my own spin-off. Like, oh, that's so amazing though. Declaimed yeah. the first two pages and then I got bored and I have no way of working through <laughs> any project in my life. But like I remember then being like, oh, what might have happened to these characters? What might have been like that problems thrown really, into their life? That would be a really cool like mini series as well. Just yeah. you know, like show that part of the story and what continued happening with them. I think there is a spin-off film or like also mini series that is called Death Comes to Pemberley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. Title. And it is basically Pride and Prejudice this is like Lizzie and Darcy's life a couple of years on, oh. but then include like with a murder included in it, and that is actually also a very good series. Love it. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. That sounds yeah, amazing. that one's very good. Yes, but then obviously it's more about like the murder and so on, and yeah. not necessarily about <laughs> <Their> life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and not just like oh, what could have realistically yeah. say, like happened to them. Also, like with these, like I always wondered with Charlotte and Collins, like that very not well matched Mm -hmm. like combination of people and like yeah just uh, her being able to live comfortably and safe but not in an arrangement that really works for her yes yeah yeah so I feel like maybe that's the thing of like reading something when you're younger and then rereading it when you're older and then realizing that actually Mm -hmm. Not everything is as great as it as it is Definitely. or as it yes. seemed in the first place. Yes. Um, I think that's so important. I think there is like there are a bunch of stories and books that I have seen or read when I was a lot younger, so I would love to revisit all of them. Just mm. like if I hadn't already to just see what effect they have now with like everything. Yeah. Because so much is just influenced by like my very like youthful and yeah very naive brain obviously still is still is (laughs) to be honest like if i can romanticize something i will to finish let's come back to the whole like film discussion also just as a tiny side note about Mm. the film do you know that film that is about jane austen's life but like i'm not sure how biographically accurate that even is because i know that there is like some love interest I think and... fairly accurate because I think there was one guy well I think I mean it was fictionalized like, yeah. a little bit in the sense of is that with uh, with Anne Hathaway yeah and with James McAvoy oh right Peak there you time. go now you know why, why I love that film so much yeah I have to rewatch because that one also has the same vibes yeah as like Pride and Prejudice to be honest I mean it probably also has like a lot of parallels anyway yes. to her life so like Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice is the reason why then I will to this day watch any series and read any book that is set in the Victorian time. Yes, yeah, same actually. That's why I loved like Downton Abbey. I don't even like it. Don't no, Downton Abbey. That's like, but it's like the it gives you the, the vibe. It, yeah. It, yeah, it's the same vibe. It's, it's like, basically oh. estates. Like honestly, that's what it comes down to. Because like also like Little Women gives me the same vibe. Yeah, but it's like it's again estates and like these weird power dynamics and. Yeah, a love story thrown in. It's such a basic concept, but it yeah. just makes for a great story. And that all started with Jane Austen, maybe because that was like the first like image of like countryside mm. rich people that I have 
ever seen. Yeah, very And much. anytime I see like a beautiful garden, a big house, and people like yep. dressed in somewhat of a like periodic dress up, yep. I'm like, ooh, nice. <laughs> I will actually watch this. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. And it's also, I started with Jane Austen and then went on to, like, for example, the Bronte sisters. Oh, yeah. Who wrote at the same time, but were just a bit darker. Yes, which are like, again, Wuthering Heights is is the best freaking thing ever. Yeah. And like, I've heard it being said that like, oh, the Bronte sisters are way more realistic because it is darker and more like... A bit gruesome as well at times, yeah. you know, it's like you've got like people who are like alcoholics and like mm-hmm. incest and like all of that yeah. stuff, which like obviously Jane Austen's a lot more polished, but I would argue it's more polished on the surface. And then in between, like if you read like, it's that thing of like through the cracks, you can see these things peeking up. Yes. Well, like true. you read a fun story and you're like, oh, I'm so invested in this plot and I want to mm-hmm. know what happens to all of these people. While also understanding and learning very much about the whole like socioeconomic yes like situation yes and these power dynamics that you mentioned in class yeah definitely. yeah i think definitely jane austen is a lot more like subtle but it's mm. there and the bronze sisters are just very like obviously symbolic yes and are like here is some gothic crap for you <laughs> like <laughs> like you want some darkness there you yes. go like yeah yeah and like very yeah just like very obvious like symbols and things like Mm. that and just like the whole thing i mean even like some adaptations everything is like in a blue cold light everything is always dark like there's always a more like there's always like a always has to be yeah like the the estates look like run down and with like old stones and stuff whereas any jane austen adaptation is always warm toned with soft light and like very airy yeah very so, sunny for some reason, even though yeah, like the sun is like never true. shows its face anywhere in England. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I feel like that's probably the one more realistic thing in the Brontes <laughs> is the weather. <laughs> Definitely, it's always raining, which yeah. is very accurate. So film, yes, film adaptations. So I mean, I just love like I love Kira Knightley. I love early two thousands Kira Knightley. I love Kira Knightley in Bend It Like Beckham. Love Kira Knightley in Pirates of the Caribbean excuse me (laughs) like just the whole thing so she was the perfect like lizzie bennett in my books like she just Mm -hmm. embodied her very well controversial i do prefer colin farthest darcy for mostly aesthetic reasons i think like i just feel like (laughs) even though him and like the film i can't remember what the actress called matthew mcfaden yeah and like they look the same i mean let's face they look exactly the same but just for some reason colin firth just when i think of darcy i think of him i think that's why like when Mm -hmm. you say darcy i think colin firth and not the other guy funny for me it's exactly the other way around for me like darcy is like film, film and not series Darcy. Does anybody think of like series Lizzie Bennet when they hear Lizzie Bennet? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I definitely don't. For me, it's no. very much like the film because I saw the film and then the series afterwards. Oh, yeah. Something, same, actually, something I that I wish they did is like take the film and make it into the series. Yes. Like take the aesthetics of the film, the characters of the film, but like make it into like episodes so it's longer because mm-hmm. I feel like Obviously, in a film, you always have to cut some stuff out so it's a lot shorter. Details yeah. get lost. 
which I really appreciate about the series because obviously you have more time to mm-hmm. go into detail about specific like things or yeah then characters are cut, cut away because yeah. they just don't have any space um do you think there's going to be another adaptation? I feel like people would watch it for sure because two thousand five is already like such a long time ago. Yeah, and also considering like that they're literally adaptating, yeah. <laughs> adapting anything like under the face of the sun. Mm. I feel like it's it has to come, yeah. and I hope they're going to make it a mini series and not a film again. Yeah, or like just some sort of like limited series with I don't know maybe like five episodes mm. or something that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, they have, like, done Emma again recently. They Very like, true. all of that, so it kind of has to... Like, yeah. I feel like it has to come again. Yeah, there's so many adaptations of Emma, actually. Yeah, there are loads, and I feel like... I don't know why. Yeah, um, because Emma... I mean, again, controversial, because, I mean, obviously also Jane Austen wrote, wrote lots of other books, which yeah. are worth discussing as well. I think we just picked Pride and Prejudice because it was, like, that starting yes. point for the both yes. of us getting into reading more. Um... But yeah, like, I don't really enjoy Emma that much. I do think that Emma is, like, purposefully unlikable. Like, mm-hmm. not Emma, the, the character, but, like, everyone in Emma is so unlikable. Yeah. And I think that that is kind of the point. Or, like, it seems as if it's yeah. done on purpose. Yeah. That, like, just the whole thing is, like, you don't like anyone, any of the characters, especially not Emma. I enjoy Knightley, though. Yeah. I mean... And the dad. I can very much... The like, dad. The dad I can relate to the dad. Nice. Yes. I, yes. Yeah. Very true. It, it is just Emma who's like... Which, again, like, in the sense of, like, how she wrote her, like, a, the unlikable female character. Very, like, forward thinking as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so you're like, oh, Emma is not that, Because yeah, like, she was, like, bullying little everyone. shit. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, like, yeah, that is a story where I feel like the, the story of... Pride and Prejudice, for example, or like Sense and Sensibility as well. Which I actually haven't read. Oh my god, I haven't please read do. Sense and Sensibility. Se- sense and Sex and Sex. <laughs> I mean, that would make Frank Wright and your adaptation. <laughs> your adaptation. Forthcoming <laughs> soon. Um, sense and Sensibility is a very, very close second oh. to Pride and Prejudice. Like, they might even be like on the same level. I oh, did I'll read it and watch it afterwards. Mm hmm. Um, but that one is a great one. Again, okay. good characters. I'll have to I'll have to read that because I now have like the um like the full collection of mm. hard books in like one book. So I'll have to read that one. Yeah. It's also like I listened to um like one adaptation, I, I don't remember which one it was, but on Audible. Oh. Because I feel like it's such a nice thing to have in your oh, ear yeah. because there's always a really nice accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, you sort of know the story already, so mm-hmm. you don't have to like listen that actively. Yeah. But it's also a really nice thing to, like oh, a nice one to That's a good point. To. Yeah, I should download that. audiobook. Nice. Good, cool. Yeah. So like, I think to finish it saying please do read Pride and Prejudice yes. watch every adaptation that is out <laughs> yes, there yes. that has been, ever been made not the one from the 80s though I think no, there's one in the 80s no. like that's like we can scrap that that's too old no, yeah. <laughs> like, don't go back no. to that now <laughs> and also other books by Jane Austen I think maybe we could do another one like further down the line about yeah, another about like a sense and sensibility actually like no joke once yeah. I've read it that might be like a good push for me to yeah. read it because it's again like the whole like Two sisters, I mean, the Bennett sisters is five, but still, like... Yeah, sisterly dynamic. 
Yeah. Nice. If you were a character in Pride and Prejudice, which one would you be? <laughs> Probably like, I don't know, the the little like stable boy that nobody ever sees. <laughs> like the one that isn't even written about. <laughs> no, I just made that up. I don't know if there is a stable boy. Probably is. Yeah, I mean there has Probably. to be. Um no, I don't know. I find that very difficult. I think I would like to think that like I'm like. Who do I do you identify? No, we we talked about that probably yeah. Lizzie. Because I mean, yeah, Lizzie. definitely. I feel like, like everyone otherwise is so it's like too far away from myself. Yeah, or like are too, like I don't know, like too removed from anything that yeah. I could relate to. But yeah, so I feel like <laughs> I I would like to be Lizzie, with like. Jane's, yeah, like very nice character and being mm-hmm. like very like looking after people. But I'm scared that people perceive me as Mr. Collins. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, stable boy in Collins going strong. Like, I think it is literally that. Yeah, I don't think you you are Mr. Collins. <laughs> Yeah. So I think yeah, I think a mix of like Jane and Lizzie, as well as like um, Miss Bingley, for like a tiny fraction yeah. of like the sass and yeah. like annoyingness of that woman. Like you need that in yeah. your life, just like to make yeah. life easier for yourself. Yes. Maybe like all the characters combined would be like a good mix, and then you would be like the perfect person. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I also would like to have like just a tiny fraction of. Um, Darcy's aunt, who is Ooh. such a rich asshole. Yes, I'd actually like to have the fraction of her bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's it. Like I would just like to own the estate. Thank you very much. Yeah. I just Bye. want to. I like. I don't, wouldn't even want to live in an estate. That's the thing, because I would shit myself every day and night because I would think that somebody broke in. I wouldn't feel safe in a house that big. But like the idea of an estate. Yeah. You know totally. the house of um in the movie adaptation of Atonement. Oh like, yeah. That is my dream house. Yeah. Nothing else about it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> that. But that has and the green dress. And the green dress. Yeah. Oh, that is a great dress. Yeah. Go watch it as well and read it as well. Oh, yeah, it's Kira Knightley. <laughs> it's Kira Knightley again. <laughs> it's come full circle. Yeah. I think it's perfect to end on that note. Love it. Yeah, so hope you enjoyed this episode. Yes. And hit you see you in the next one. <laughs> Don't see you. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see we'll see each other but not you. Hear you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye.